Hello there. You're listening to the Roll for Crit podcast, your number one resource for news and discussion from the world of tabletop gaming. We're here today to talk about so many things from the world of board games, card games, and RPGs. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And of course, by introducing myself, that automatically leads into our dice segment. We always like to start the podcast off with me rolling a die to see how things go. Uh, Today's die is a red sort of white speckled die with white numbers. Very pretty. Mm. Let's see what it foretells. I'm into that. Well, it foretold a one. <laughs> no. Uh, and I, is that our first critical miss? No, I, I think th- we got a one before. I, I think you're right. It's not even our first <laughs> critical fail in the, for a show. Well, um, it might be it might be appropriate this week because it's just the two of us. We do not have a guest, so it's entirely on our backs to carry the show this week. And I'll also just say this is something we'll probably get into a little bit later, but uh, I am in a different place than usual. If the room sounds a bit more echoey or anything like that, uh, I'm, I'm away on a little bit of a vacay. But of course, I always make time for the Roll for Credit podcast. That's <laughs> you know how else. Jonathan's dedicated. Even That's though right. he's out trying to get his first little break, which we will actually get to in this podcast, uh-huh. uh, he's still here to give you his lovely thought and voice. <laughs> That's right. I am committed. And, uh, you know, just because I am taking a break doesn't mean the, the world of board gaming news is taking a break. Some interesting stories to discuss this week. And we're going to do that as we always do in the news roundup. News Roundup! Fantasy Flight Games has announced a new set of expansions for the Arkham Horror card game, the living card game that they put out, of course, based in Lovecraft, cooperative, collectible, well, not collectible, (laughs) the opposite of collectible, living, uh, where you build your own decks and go through different scenarios. Now, normally, traditionally, these LCGs are put out with monthly packs and then they'll have like they'll have the smaller sets they'll have the larger sets they have a pretty regular rotation of how they put these releases out this new announcement is for two expansions uh, that go under the title edge of the earth and they are changing things up a little bit here in that they have one that is labeled as a campaign expansion and the other as the investigator expansion And if you want investigator cards, meaning cards for your deck to build and play with, you want the investigator expansion, while the campaign expansion includes solely scenario-based cards. So if you're already happy with the decks you have, you can just buy that one and go on new adventures. Of course, if you are a big fan of Arkham, you probably want to buy both together. But uh, it is certainly a departure from how they normally do things. Now, I mean, now Will, you are the collector of the Arkham Horror LCG, so you have much more intimate familiarity with these releases than I do. So, like, wh- what do you think about this structural change going forward? And I guess, what do you think about the just the expansion itself? So, Arkham Horror, the way that it worked beforehand, it, it's still working, but just to clarify a bit, you pretty much had what were called cycles. They're sort of chapters... Each one has its own little campaign that was made up of a big core box and then six mythos packs. And these packs, as well as the core box, would come with a campaign chapter and some card, new cards for you to play with. What would happen is these would release, to, uh, you know, not all together on a uh, time schedule. I don't remember the exact 
pacing of it, but you know, you'd if you were playing right away, you'd play it and then you have to wait for the next one. Personally, I wanted to wait until I got everything. And sometimes, you know, if you didn't catch it really quickly, you may have missed one and you may have to wait forever for that one pack you need to come out to finish a campaign. Because, you know, you got chapters one, two, three, and then five and six. <laughs> so this is another step in showing what living card games do better than trading card games is less of a hunt. You don't need to hunt down one small thing for the whole thing. It's just, look, just buy the campaign and there you go. If you need more toys, get the investigator one. I think this is overall a smart move. And like I said, it's going to really, I think it helps show where living card games are better than trading card games. I don't know if Marvel can do this. This works with how, I mean, even uh, Game of Thrones, uh, because it had technically had cycles too, where you're like, look, this is the entire cycle in a box. You just buy the box. That's the only thing you have to worry about probably for a few months, maybe even a year. And that's if Lord of the Rings comes back, it's going to be like this. And I think it's great. Marvel, on the other hand, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Jonathan, is not nearly as organized. It's sort of just like, here's a big box and then some heroes. Like, they're not connected. Yeah, there are no, there's no like store narrative or mechanical through line really between the, you could, you can pick and choose whatever you want. That said, I could still see this being more common with Marvel if this does well, which I think it will, because the pack, you know, they don't have to make a bunch of little packs. They can just put things in a box. It just means you're going to get group switch. And Marvel is not really that crazy. You know, you're just going to get the X Men box. You know, the Fantastic Four box. It's not going to be less of like, here. Uh, I got my uh, Mr. Incredible, not Incredible, wow, Mr. Fantastic pack. <laughs> Where's my Invisible Woman, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was going to ask if you, if we think that maybe this would be um, something they adopt for other games. And I, I think you're probably right. It's maybe on a case-by-case -case basis. And also probably they're going to wait and see how this does before they make any more decisions uh, right away. But but do you think like the other side of the? I definitely I'm a, I'm with you that I think this is definitely better for as a consumer at least for the way we like to play and buy games. Mm -hmm. Like it, I I I prefer this than having to be constantly worrying about the, which pack came out and like you said getting it before it sells out. But do you think is there a chance from their perspective that that sort of hurts the business side of it that? part of the excitement each month is being like, Oh, they announced the next pack and, and you have like stuff to look forward to and talk about consistently over a period of time, as opposed to here's one big lump release that you probably don't need to worry as much about rushing to buy it and pre-order at day one. That is possible. And I do, I will say this now. I know some people might not like this because they're like technically it's cheaper, not technically, but you know, you can buy like, it's not the lump sum money up front. But once again, I think overall, you will be spending that if you're going to go for a whole thing. Um, and, you know, when you go to a card store or something like that, you know, they can hang these on a wall. It's less space versus a, a whole box. Mm -hmm. That said, though, those things that usually hang like smaller things work better for something like a TCG. It's the kind of thing you pick up like, oh, I'll buy a small pack of this little toy, you know, it, it, like with a mythos pack. You're like, I got it. 
rarely few people, you know, buy more than the play copies they need, unless they are like super devoted. And even if they have all decks, they need like no one gets proxies. You know, buying two core sets is already enough for me. Um, I saw someone uh, on on the old internet saying that I don't. I think maybe it was rumored, but who, I don't know. I have no idea where, so don't take this as anything real necessarily. That maybe they're also planning a newer, a new version of the Arkham Core set. I've been it- hearing those rumors for a while, mm-hmm. and I think what's going to happen is that they are going to make a new core set. It's going to be built more like this, and they might even re-release the other cycles. And what they're going to do also, which I'm angry about, but they're going to do it this way because it gets more money out of me, <laughs> is, John, I, have, I don't think I've shown you recently the errata list for the Arkham Horror <laughs> Card game. It's bad. <laughs> it's like a few good, solid pages. That's what happens when you don't rotate out and, cards. You gotta, you gotta do that. Well, it's, it, it's not even like rotating our cards, Jonathan. There are, there's like maybe one page that are these cards are too powerful, so we need to change them. I'm talking about we printed things wrong, mm. and that includes story cards. So what I imagine is these newer versions will have updated cards, and I, I doubt. I would love for them to be like we're just gonna release an updated card pack. Mm-hmm. You did get all the updates, but my guess is this, and this way I'm going to be like, oh, that has all the fixes, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also think that, it, but going back to the this new expansion format, it does seem to me that they wouldn't do this for even if it made sense for Marvel Champions, uh, or they had some way for that to work. I think it it makes more sense for Arkham because it's been around a little while. And right. I feel like they can afford to be like the people who are really into it at this point. Like we don't need to be chasing the new hype. Like people, it's established. They can just look forward to this box. Yeah. And maybe we don't have to like come up with as many ideas. Like maybe the game will slow down a little bit. I am sure it will. And I, I'd be fine with that, you know, as long as good stories. And remember, they still have standalone things. So they could be like, we have this, but you know, guess what? We have a new standalone story you can put in any of your campaign coming out in a pack. You know, get everyone excited for that. And as I was talking about the items hanging on the wall and that excitement like you were bringing up, Marvel does that better because the thing with Arkham was you had to hunt for the pack you need. It was never like, oh, you know, Ant-Man's out. You don't need Ant-Man for your campaign. Right, right, right. It's much because of the lack of better randomness. Of Marvel, like they're not cohesively connected to a story. Anything that is a campaign literally comes in a box. Yeah. True. And I and that's what I think is the best method. If something needs each other, like the the campaign expansion for Arkham, make it a one set thing. Don't make people have to hunt down different parts. If there's random small spacks, maybe there's standalone scenarios for Arkham Horror, any of the heroes from Marvel, you know, I think that the, they work those work much better as the single packs. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, so these expansions they just said are slated for release later this year. I'm not totally sure if they said they're coming out at the same time or they'd be maybe like a month apart or three months apart. I would be shocked if they were significantly distant since they, mm-hmm. they these two are very tied to each other. And especially recent, not recent, but later Arker campaigns, 
you know, some of the investigator cards sort of, they like, are like, look, we're it's supposed to be with this theme and scenario, you mm-hmm. know, not like straight up, like you'd only play with this, but it, it you know, which right. is what you sort of want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, also on the note of Arkham, uh, I'll just, I'll just want to quickly say we're, we're a day away from a new fantasy flight announcement they teased on Twitter, which we're 99% nope. sure. Yeah. Absolutely no idea what it possibly could be. <laughs> it is going to be the uh, new reskin of Battlestar. And so uh, stay tuned for the next week because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of thoughts about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and I'm sure when it comes out, I'm going to be really excited to put it through the ringer because it's got a really high bar. Uh, sorry. It has a really high bar to clear. Not just, I think, from me liking, you know, the Arkham Horror lines and stuff, but, you know, your favorite game. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we, we will see. It will, it will be interesting. So uh, who knows? Maybe it's something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be funny if it was. Uh, we'll see. That, that could be one of their, you know, a Gen Con release, too, or something. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, now, we're also just talking about Marvel Champions, the card game, but... Marvel, as we know, is well established at this point in the tabletop world. And there is yet another announcement of a new Marvel game, this time a role playing game. Not the first time there's been a Marvel RPG. There's been uh, one or two, I believe, uh, in the past. This new one is called Marvel Multiverse. And in it, you will be able to create your own hero or play as an existing Marvel character. It uses what they call the D616 system, uh, which, of course, is a reference to the uh, Dimension 616, which is where the <laughs> core Marvel universe I takes place. I did not plays. catch that. Yeah, and here's the other thing you maybe I didn't catch until just now, <laughs> which is that there are six core stats that your characters will have. Might, agility, resilience, vigilance, ego, and logic. Which, yeah, of course, spell uh, out Marvel. Uh, so so that's pretty cute. Uh, they don't have any real details yet about how the system itself works. I imagine it uses D6s. I don't imagine it uses D616s. Because that I don't think they can make those. Um, I think it uses 61 D6s. <laughs> yeah, it's it's possible. Uh, it is. Uh, there's going to be a playtest rulebook released at some point soon and it says the full re- release of the game is not until 2023 so this is a ways out um uh, uh you know what that might be a typo that i'm looking at actually i'm on this is marvel.com but actually on the bottom it says on sale march 20 no i think the playtest rulebook comes out in march 2022 and the full release is a year later so that's weird that they're announcing it this early i'll just say that first of all but um and they list some of the characters they'll be able to play as which is you know spider-man black panther captain america thor i'm assuming it's going to have rules for most of not all of your favorite characters but what do you think what do you think about a superhero rpg in the marvel universe is this uh obviously marvel is huge right now is this the is this the place we maybe jump in would you want would you want to play this game or what would you want the, the marvel rpg mm. to do that sets itself apart from other games well, I think it's a it's an obvious uh, growth. I don't know release because RPGs have been growing significantly recently. 
and I'm sure a lot of people are going to really want to not only play this, but I'm sure there's going to be something of we're going to see the actual, you know, actors playing their characters, but sitting around the table. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would have loved to watch that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. I think we should expect this kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I didn't know from what I read, and I'm feeling I do like that you can actually make your own. Because mm-hmm. I just think it'll an RPG. You sort of want to insert yourself. Let's be honest. A lot of times, and that way you can make someone who you feel would fit in the world or something cool or interesting. Um, it's gonna be curious to see how this plays out. I think you got to be really careful that your DM isn't a huge Marvel nerd and be like, you can't do that. According to this, you know issue number forty five. But I mean. If you like it, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, I think you touched upon something I find interesting in regards to playing your own character versus a Marvel character because, uh, yeah, creating your own character is a, such a, an integral part of RPGs. But at what point is it, like, is it, you know, if you're playing a Marvel RPG, don't you, uh, the whole thing of Marvel is the character. I suppose you could be like, oh, I'm a new X-Man and I get to fight alongside Wolverine. Right, so that, I that think could be fun. There are definitely certain groups that would work well, and obviously scenarios. I don't know how they're going to do this, but X Men, easy one. You're a mutant. Uh, Guardians, I think, is easy. You're part of the new group because remember, Guardians mm. are much bigger than what we're used to. Uh, even World War II setting with Captain America, mm. Spider Verse. Just make your own version of a Spider Man. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. There's a, there's a million things. Like and it I, isn't yeah. the hardest thing. I mean, there are a couple that would be very difficult. Like Iron Man would probably be a little bit harder to i'm trying to like as a group he doesn't usually group up oh sure well you'd just be like you'd be a new avengers character i mean right it'd be less specific um but uh, you know we always talk about and i mean everybody jokes about with marvel any superhero comic or the movies a lot of times you're like but when they have this large a cast of characters you're and there's a world crisis in a spider-man comic you're like well What's Thor doing right now? <laughs> Where's Doctor Strange? Like, why is why isn't everyone just coming together? So that's something that I think is interesting. I don't know how the other Marvel RPG handled this, but as a GM, having to like, if you're playing the Avengers, you know, are you gonna have to control like eighteen Avengers because there's so many characters at this point? Well, I, I will say, we're, you're you're sort of hinted at the as you brought up world ending thing because we have galactus in i can only assume is something like super master person in the background on the cover image mm, like these are yeah. these aren't like oh it's just one guy dealing with them they're they're the kind of thing that everyone should be noticing they're around but i think just because that's there doesn't mean you have to do that i'm sure people would be just as excited to deal with um, you know, a, a mi- more of a mystery thing of like, what's like, if there's a robbery, but something weird's going on, a murder mystery, maybe like that would be much more smaller, you know, your friendly neighborhood kind of thing. Yes. Or if Guardians of the Galaxy, very easy. You're not on Earth. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that wraps up a lot of things neatly there. I mean, and it is called multiverse. So it sounds like that maybe will play a big part in it that, you know, maybe you're like, this is your marvel multiverse this isn't 616 this is like your iron man and your iron man i mean i think that's how they get they get around the issue of like character people not acting in character your iron man might be evil (laughs) 
<laughs> I do think also it could be like this is the 616 book is your world is similar to 616. Then they release the noir book. Then they release sure. the ultimate book. I mean, why not? Right. <laughs> well, if people will buy it and we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, and, and then my, my, that's my, my only other concern is as with any of these kinds of games where you're playing, if you're playing an established character is uh, like, you know, who's not going to be as funny as Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. Any oh, yeah. of My friends playing. Iron. Man? No, I mean, I, I remember uh, seeing a tweet about this and someone saying, I really hate that. I want to play Spider-Man so bad, but there is no way I'm going to be able to come up with quicks quips on the fly <laughs> right yeah i'll play as groot i can handle that one <laughs> <laughs> groot everyone's favorite role playing <laughs> yeah wait till you have to make the charisma checks and the <laughs> or, or drax would be good too <laughs> yeah yeah tough to tough to live up to some of these characters but it's cool and, and of course it's going to be you know which makes sense um accessible for newcomers and i think the fact that you have established characters will make this really good for people who aren't hardcore gamers because it's much easier to be like, I I understand Thor's powers. I don't need to learn a whole complicated uh, like set of spells and abilities and items. Like I've seen the movies. He hits things with his hammer. He can fly a little bit. I think that's great for, for people who are new to these kinds of games. I mean, and I mean, we joke that you can't be as clever as Robert Downey or the clips of Spider-Man, but I think also it's going to help people with role playing a bit because, you know, when you're playing yeah. as a character in D&D, you're almost putting yourself out there because no one knows who this person is before. So they really they know you. But, you know, like I know how Captain America should sound. Yes, I'm not going to be as good as a comic writer or the actors who play him. But people know who Captain America is, and they're going to help. Fill, they're going to be able to probably fill in some blanks. I'm going to fail at, and yeah. maybe that way you'll also be able to put yourself out there a bit more, especially with someone like Spider Man, and make a dumb joke. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I think there's and, a lot of reasons that that will work for that. So well, we'll see how it goes, and if it's able to, I think attract. Like I said, I think keep an eye out for that Marvel show. I, I don't see how Disney cannot make new Disney Plus show. We've got them, the actors playing here, except they're going to have dice rolls, so they don't know if they're going to get hit away with whatever they're going to try and do. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it it would be entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm here for it. That that's how you get, uh, you know, Chris Evans back as Captain America. <laughs> so you 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 find that workaround. Uh, all right, so that's we will find out how it plays in a year, and then another year <laughs> after that, see how the final product. I mean, I really, I do find that really weird. That's so early to announce this, but yeah, but it, <laughs> when it comes to Marvel stuff, I'm not surprised. I mean, how many are we like four years out of movie? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All the right. hype train never stops. <laughs> Speaking of which, Loki on Disney Plus now. Okay. I forgot about that. So this was um that was Marvel Multiverse. Look forward to that. Uh last thing, a little announcement, just kind of a cute thing that maybe you'll find interesting. There is a new ticket to ride product coming out. I suppose you would call it a game, but it's not a traditional ticket to ride game from Asmo Day slash Days of Wonder. Uh, this is called Ticket to Ride Track Switcher. And I would describe it as more of a toy slash puzzle game. It has a little 3D model with some tracks on it, and you will have some 3D colored trains similar to the kind in Ticket to Ride, the original board game. 
and you have a bunch of cars with puzzles on them and you're trying to arrange these trains they'll be in different starting positions and you have to guide them along these tracks to the, to where you need them to go in the right order and depending on how many moves it takes you to do it you'll get a certain score so you can try to replay them to get the best possible score on it and uh, if you're having trouble picturing it it's like like I said, a little plastic thing with these tracks that are kind of indented into it. The trains move along uh, and they kind of wind in different directions. So you want to move them in the right order because like maybe you'll block a path off if you do it the wrong way or you won't be as efficient as you could be. Um, we're big fans of the original Ticket to Ride. I'm a big fan of these kinds of little uh, puzzle games sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what do you think I mean, about that? What do you think about that? That was the first thing that came to my mind were those like, you know, Get your car out of traffic or yes. the animals. That's <laughs> yes. exactly where my mind went. And not that that's a bad thing, but what came to my mind with this, which I thought was interesting. First of all, the video, the quality, the CGI put into it. I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. that, they... <laughs> I don't think I've seen a board, most board games get that. <laughs> that's Asmo Day money right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I was just, it's very interesting to me because I'm like, we're seeing Ticket to Ride, which you know, if I were to explain most things, like it's the thing about trains, most people would be like, oh, that doesn't sound interesting. And it's so big. It's getting its own, like a, a little toy puzzle thing. I don't, I don't mean to use toy negatively, but it, yeah. it, it's not really a, uh, it's not what I would call board game. It's the kind of, I'm sure people could argue and I don't mean to, but it feels like it, that's what it feels like more to me, like something I see in a kid's It's a, it's a spin off. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's And correct. I wonder. Only for one player, we should also say. So that's part of it. It's well, not... I mean, you, you could all sit around. It's, it's could, a puzzle. It's yeah. a puzzle. It's just if you want to all discuss together or not. And that's the, that's why I like saying one player or not. It's not, it doesn't really feel the same way when you say a one player game. Right. Anyways, right. it's just so weird to me to see this like what lines are growing, where they're going and things that like, I think if you were trying to pick like, like saying like back to the future, almost trying to pitch it now just by itself would be like, it would not fly. It's just so weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is like, I think it's very, very smart. Oh no, it makes part. perfect sense. Yeah. To be, because you know, in any other world, like these types of games, like we named a couple kinds exist, so, you know, I'm you know, they just said, well, why not just we have a popular product, just brand it ticket to ride because there's trains in it. And you could do the same thing. You could, I mean, like pandemic. I don't know what the <laughs> thing would be, but it, I'm trying to think of another like big mass mark. A Catan, like it's a it's like you, you come up with a toy that's not you mean like really, how they have all the uh, soft toys. Yeah, like something like this, you know, anything where it's a, some kind of a product. That's just oh it, that could be wheat why not <laughs> and call it. Katan. I mean, look, I'll I'll be a hundred percent honest. Like half the stuff I watch or like look, read or whatever, sometimes in Japan they'll come up like special like chip version of it or something like a snack, and I'm just there. I'm like, man, I wish I could have that. When am I getting my ticket to ride Cheetos? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, and I'm you know I'm not entirely opposed to it. You know it's um. Like every all other movies and video games have it. Why not let board games more board game merchandise? I, I mean, <laughs> I know it's like <laughs> it sounds the this, this cynical part of me wants to say that, like, this is obviously terrible and more ways for them to take money from us. But yeah, but, I, but we like having collectibles from things that we like. So I, I kind of right, like and the I guess the difference is for me, 
because I get where that cynicism comes from and the whole uh, milking something uh, for all it's worth kind of thing. Some of, remember, some of these things we have not seen in these areas before, and it feels really cool to have like, um, like apparel, for example, that yeah. really feels like it's not just lazily put together. This is really showing like a board game love and stuff. And as long as like, it's not, I think doing something that is predatory, which would be like, or that's more like randomness or like only available for like the first hundred people. So, you know, it gets sold 10 times the price of what a, a normal thing would be. I think that's, it's fine. Let people spend their money. Let the people spend their money. Let them do it. All right. So, yeah. So look for the forward to Ticket to Ride Track Switcher. Is that what it's called? Track track Switcher? Yeah, Track Switcher. That's not the best title. Um, that's coming out in October of this year. Perhaps a Spiel release. Um, if Or maybe that's November. I'm not, I can't remember. You think that will uh, be nominated for the uh, one of the Spiels? That's a good question. I wonder if they would count it. I wonder if they, or if Asmodee would even think of submitting it. I don't know if that's how that works. If you, I don't think you submit, but maybe you do. I mean, it's, I will say it is close enough that if I saw it there, I'd be like, okay. And maybe that's just because it has Ticket to Ride attached to it. I don't Yeah, right, right. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, if the mind can be a game, then yes, this can definitely be a game, right? Or, or if Llama can be a game. Uh, so, well, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a track switcher. October. All right, that's the news. That's the news. Uh, of course, there's also some Kickstarters this week. Let's go to the Kickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. No, it's no, nice. It's no, nice. No, it's no, nice. No, no, no. What about this one? Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Will, what have you got for us? Is there a pick that caught your eye? A little Kickstartery, Kickstartery, to share with the group. Show and tell. So, <laughs> uh, what I am going to talk about is domina anthology two because it's three games in one wow it's a great way for me to cheat uh this <laughs> is from japanime games it's these three smaller games that i thought looked really cute i like the art it's it's still uh japanese anime style but it's not the generic like not lip-syncing kind of art it's more of uh looks a bit more classical style uh the first game called uh, Margot or Marga. I can't remember exactly. I always, I'm just, whatever I say is wrong because I mispronounce things. <laughs> there was pretty much an evil queen that kicked out all the fairies and captured some of them and your fairy kin are dying off. So you must now go save them. So it's all about this sort of push your luck and trying to get castle cards, but trying to avoid the sorceress and the witch with her knights and soldiers and trying to save and find your old artifacts. Now, the other one, La Latria, is all about, like, it's really playing against other players. It's this, their fortune predicting thing of, like, this is the card that'll be good. It's, like, sun, moon, and I forget what the other one is. It's a star. Polaris, that's what it was. And so you have to think, like, what numbers do I play? But there's an eclipse card that sort of counters everyone's card. So it's really trying to read your opponents and their numbered cards and stuff. Okay. And finally, Night Clan. This is actually, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's actually sort of a remake. It's like they released Night Clan before. And this one is you are trying to hide your treasure cards and daughters. It's these trolls are apparently trying to hunt down the king's daughters. Okay. And you're 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 each a group of 
daughters, and you're trying to hide them as well as some, and move the trolls around to attack your opponent's hidden hordes instead. So it's all it's sort of a bluffing game in the in the sense of like trying to bluff and hide your own things while trying to uh, get the trolls to look at your opponents more. Okay. Okay. Now the games they each have like I think twenty dollars to fifteen, but you can get all three for fifty, and it comes in a cute little, almost looks like a, a shipping box. This is carrying case, like it has like stamps on it and stuff. So it's. A good collection, I think, of a bunch of really cute games. Each one has its own little theme and stuff. So something to check out if you can bet one or go for all three. Yeah, I mean, I I am a huge fan of these, like, collections of games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you know, recently we were talking about the Matchbox collection that Thundergriff did on Kickstarter or, like, Paco games or the Blinks uh system there's it's something the i love yeah something <laughs> yeah it's it's just like the my brain wanting seeing the value at least you know that i believe is more value of multiple well, games in one and i love that like most usually and it looks like these ones are the same way like the times on these are like 15 to 20 minutes to play yeah you know? these are not your you know two hour kind of thing <laughs> though i do think the the first one i mentioned can go up to 60 minutes Okay. So, but uh, that's also good if there's a, a range. It's like this is a smaller one. This one's heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think the, the thing is, it's just also when you get these kinds of games, Jonathan, you put them on your shelf. They're all together. They're nice. And you, but what gets really annoying is they ever release one game that's in the series that doesn't match. <laughs> I think it's more of a problem with DVDs in movies. Oh, God. Yeah. You know how like you get like <laughs> some that look good, then one is in a, uh, what, what do they call the, the metal casings? Though so the steel book. Yeah, and you're just like, what? just give me the regular. I mean, I I have the first two seasons of Rick and Morty on, on Blu-ray. I didn't buy the third one because the cover was different, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I well, was like, oh, I don't want that. Remember when Simpsons did the heart <laughs> yes, of the plastic? that's the worst. I have the, the Homer Simpson 3D head for one of my DVDs. Yeah, bad, <laughs> bad, bad news. <laughs> it is also really smart from the uh, publisher's perspective because I'm sure they were like, we have three games. Each one might do okay, but people are more likely to buy three games at once if we tell I, them it's part of a set. <laughs> right, right, but I do want to point out too, it's not in the it's not designed in a way either that you have to feel like, oh, I have to buy them. You can get the the single games. Yeah, so. that's nice. Yeah, that's good. So they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not trying to take advantage of you or anything. Mm. So um, it's the best of both worlds. So that is the Domina or Domina Domina, Domina Anthology Two. Uh, from Japanime Games. Mm-hmm. So what do you got? I have picked another, also a really uh, weird one. <laughs> <laughs> it is an, an RPG called The Hammer and the Stake. S-T-A-K-E. This is a role-playing game that takes place um, post-World War One, And you play as socialists um, fighting for like the workers' revolution in Europe. <laughs> And also, there are vampires, and Dracula is hanging around trying to take over with his army of vampires. So, a really weird, um, fun, I think, funny mashup type of premise of horror slash politics. Uh, g- goofy kind of a, a pastiche that is the kind of thing that I like. And 
you know, of course you can play as there's different, there's different factions. There's, there's like the, the Hungarian Socialist Revolution, the International Workers Union. Uh, and, and meanwhile, Dracula is trying to take over and you're fighting vampires. Uh, so that in, in itself, I find very interesting. The mechanics too are weird and interesting. Uh, and everyone uses D6s. But the way it works from what I understand, and this, you know, this may not be, I may not be explaining it 100% with how the rules is, but the, the gist of it is you are wagering, rather than hoping to get a high result, you're wagering on what you think the result will be. So if you bet and think that the result is going to be a two, for instance, uh, and it's a two, then you pass a check. And the more skill you have in something, you may have abilities that will be like, you can make more than one wager. So if it's two different numbers, you'll one of two different numbers, you'll be able to succeed. Or maybe you have the chance to re-roll it or, you know, any other kind of thing that will affect that. And suppose there's also components that make it so like everyone's more involved in the, like everyone cares more together as a group about die rolls, even if they're not watching it or taking part in it directly as their character. Your critical hit is our critical hit. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. So like, um, so, so uh, you know, I always like when, like you can always have a weird theme for an RPG to catch my eye, but I think it's harder to come up with a new version of dice rolling that no one's done before. <laughs> and so I appreciate that. And this is from uh, designer Chris Gunning, who uh, has, is, is an any award-winning designer. Um, he has written for stuff like Vampire the Masquerade. So there's your... There's your vampire uh, reference, <laughs> among others. So it looks, it's it's weird, it's cool, uh, and it is the hammer and the stake, and it's $10 for the PDF, um, $25 if you want um, all, like, there's more stuff for the PDF, <laughs> $35 if you want the physical book. Um, so a lot a lot of weird stuff, but one, one of those cool, weird, funny RPGs that, I guess maybe I don't know how seriously it takes itself. It sounds like like it's it's certainly I think meant to be tongue in cheek, but I am interested in to see would be interested to see if it's how pointed ha, it is. Haha, ha, funny. Is is that a pun? <laughs> pointed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, it is now. Yeah, like if it's like, is it really gonna like? Does it have something to say about this? Right. Stuff? Is it is it just a big joke, or is it more like um that one that came out a while ago? And I'm gonna butcher it but it's the uh the chinese vampires like um i can't remember the name of it but yeah it was about like chinese immigrants a, in america yeah and like the vampires are much were more of a uh representation it wasn't just like you know, yeah vampires. like a metaphor or something like that um yeah that was on kickstarter as well all right i i looked it up i'll still butcher but at least i'll have the right word ish but uh zhang <laughs> Okay. What it was called. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's, we'll see. That's a fun, funny idea. Uh, I also wanted to mention this one uh, that I saw called Orbidice. Did you see the Orbidice? I did see that one. <laughs> what? So, this is a set of spherical RPG dice. So, the dice are fully round, like a sphere. They still have divisions of numbers on them, and there's some kind of a weight. In, or I don't know if it's magnetized or what inside of it that will allow it to stop rolling at some point and one side is facing up. Still randomized, of course. This is almost at a half a million dollars right now. So clearly this is a thing a lot of people are, are looking at. I, 
I, I, they're very snazzy looking and very cool looking. And I mean, I, I like fun little toys, but I, I, after looking at this, I just, my thought is why, <laughs> what, do, what advantage does this offer over a regular dice? And in fact, might it not be more cumbersome? Cause I feel like that's more likely to just keep rolling off the table. What's the, what's, what's the point of this? Can you tell me that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> It's just so you can have the weirdest dice at the table. You know, we like to have very. Yeah. I mean, it's cool as like as a toy slash just out of a curiosity, but I don't think they're even trying to make the argument that this is in some way more convenient or uh, more efficient. And like, it's just, it's, it's strange. It's strange to me. They don't like, they don't light up or anything. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but a lot of people really love it. So maybe this will be the future of dice. Maybe this is how they're going to be going forward. And is it technically a D20 anymore? Isn't it just, isn't a D1 if it's all one side? Oh, no. I Arguably, no sphere is actually perfectly smooth. It just has, a, it's like a D, you know, 10,000, just the sides are all so small. Hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough uh $60 this one for the for a full set so I guess they're they're polishing look we like our dice like I'm not even now part of me is like I kind of want a set (laughs) but but logically I'm just like why 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 do I why would anyone want this all right so those are our picks that are on Kickstarter I guess I'll also shout out um a couple we've done video previews for that I think we've neglected to mention the past couple weeks there's Erican Wars which is a two-player territory control dueling card game. And there's also My Singing Monsters, which is a family-friendly worker placement game based on a, an app about monsters. So, Well, I think the reason we haven't brought these up, like in previous one we ever do video anymore, is because we have a guest and I feel bad to mention it. Like, by the way, here are some <laughs> things we did videos for. Yeah, plug us more. I think, I don't know more. if we mentioned Reincarnated either. Let's check out Reincarnated. <laughs> All right. You can go to our channel and find all that stuff. Those are the Kickstarter picks. We have been playing games. Oh, oh, a few a few games here and there that we will tell you about in Table Talk. I don't know if I Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. Do you want to start with the game we played together? I think that makes sense. That is a week old because we forgot to talk about it. <laughs> and that is Detective Vienna Connection. We streamed the first chapter. Is chapter the word we you use? Um, first, I think I they call them missions. Mission. I'll also just small clarification. There is not actually a detective in the title of this one. They Sorry, just, just call Vienna it Vienna Connection. Connection. Yeah, but it's part of the detective series from right. Portal Games. Yes. If you did not watch it, I really wish you would check it out. It's pretty cool. But yeah. the idea behind it is. We are now in the Cold War. Am I right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cold War. And we are part of the CIA. And if we know anything from the detective series, this will all be connected. But right now, it looks like a standalone thing where one of our connections was found dead. <laughs> and we need to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... Um... If you haven't played the original detective games, uh, it's 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 a narrative driven deduction mystery game uh, where, you know, you read it. Basically, you look at a card, read it, and it'll tell you where you can go. 
and you're just trying to solve the mystery. Uh, it's sort of akin to the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective series where it's not like uh, there's not, I mean, there are of course rules and you can only look at so many cards. You have a certain amount of, in this, in this version, it's not time. It's uh, how exposed you are, which is kind of, it turns out to be roughly the same system as the old other detective, just with a different name. The uh, one big yeah. thing system wise, I do want to talk about, is in the other ones, usually you had like, you have, you know, 24 hours to solve this case. And whenever you go somewhere, it'd say like, this took two hours. Right, right. This one has a weird color system. Like you have like two strikes in blue, three strikes in yellow, like four strikes in white and like only one strike in red. So. Which could change. This could change depending on the mission as well. We should Correct. Say. And these things do correlate. I, th I can't remember exactly, but I think red was like, you're dealing with russian it's it's based on where you're people. going so like we have white is like the public or white was like the cia headquarters and blue is public areas and but, so you'll draw a card and it'll say you're going to the blue zone and it, this one costs you one strike or two strikes right and you won't know until you actually read it so you could you're gonna have to guess a little bit being like okay this sounds like a public area so it's probably this color right now we ha we have the space for that or we don't have the space for that because if you go over the strike limit, it goes in, um, I forget what they call it, like the man in black. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and which is, which is your end game condition. Correct. So it was a very, that was an interesting, it wasn't simply just, should we go here? Time, it's like, do we have, no, that's, that's probably white or to, like, you know, we have time in white or something. That's you true. Know, it's, yeah. It, 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 it does. was a bit more just how much time do you think? Because sometimes I know in the other one would be like, oh, that's that's probably far away. Oh, my God, four hours. Right. Yeah, that's true. You do have a little bit more. You can try to predict better how you think it's going to go. Um, and we also had an, like a, an ability, for instance, that allowed us to add a strike to a different section, uh, even though that that was a it was a different color that than we drew. So that so stuff like that can be cool. Um, by and large, I would say like this, the gameplay of it, pretty similar to the original. One thing it doesn't have, you still have, so this still has a big website component, which Detective has, which is, it's a companion site that you'll be going on and also entering information to solve puzzles and things. Of course, because this one takes place during the Cold War, not modern day, they're not finding, I, I guess they had fingerprints, but we're not finding like DNA evidence or anything, um, uh, in, in this one. More, you're finding like cryptograms and puzzles and you're able to enter some of that stuff into the website to try to solve some mm -hmm. of those things will be over multiple cases missions i do like though uh with that with the cryptograms things like that i do like it because it's you know we're looking at like okay what could this word be and stuff and i feel like that makes that's something i think anyone can take part in not people who don't have knowledge of uh crimes or uh, so, or, or military history, which tends to be the case with detective. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that so far, based on just this one case, um, I do think the changes they've made have been for the better and have it's it's pr still pretty close to the original detective, but the the things that they've done have streamlined it a bit. Uh, I, I like the changes, and I'm I'm interested to see how it develops as always, uh, but. I am ready for a new theme. You know, suppo supposedly the Dune game they're doing also is going to use some variant of this system. 
So I'm I, like, I'm ready for, I want a sci-fi. I want something supernatural, something different from, like we said, just there's a lot of military stuff in these. Right. And, <laughs> and like I said, I think I've been, I've loved mythos tales, but it, it's a, a bit janky at times. And I feel like it's such a perfect fit. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Except it'd still be World War II soldiers finding uh, Cthulhu realm or something. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. We'll see when we um, uh, play through. There's four cases in this one, I think. But I think the fourth case is maybe a two-parter or something like that. Right. I mean, the, the whole, all of them are, it's, you know, part of one campaign. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's always, it's always fun to see all the, all the different weird things that they throw in there. What else so uh, the one other big thing I want to talk about, because I finally finished up, I played a little bit more before, but this is the final thing, is I played a bunch of Smash Up for a new video that hopefully, give or take some editing issues, should be out by the time you're listening to this. And that is the new my Smash Up review of the Marvel as well as the new Goblin set. The Goblins just came out as what I was waiting on before I released this, because like oh, I should put them just together instead of making a separate video for each, which would be a little annoying. So she, Goblins would not be much. So, continuing with Marvel, <laughs> we've got a Marvel Smash Up set. It is a core set, comes with eight groups, four villains, four heroes. And it is very obvious that the villains are meant to be the antagonists of the hero groups. So, you got your Avengers, Masters of Evil, Hydra, Shield, so on and so forth. And the way they designed them, I really feel like this was designed to be a core set as if it's the first one you pick up. Because. It's nothing too weird, like compared to some of the expansions that we've seen in Smash Up. And they almost reflect a lot of previous sets we've done before. Like this plays like robots. This one plays like dinosaurs kind of thing. So it it really feels like a renovation. In fact, some feel like a balanced version of of a previous group. Hmm. So it's like, okay, they tried to be like, well, what if Wizards wasn't broken? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which they did with the Kree. And overall, you can watch my view. I go into detail of each group and my thoughts on them in the rankings. Um, I will say that I don't want to spoil too much because I want you to watch the video. But I do think they did a good job as a core set. They made some small changes in there. Like they call them characters instead of minions because, you know, Captain America can't be a minion. I find that a little bit annoying. <laughs> right. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah. On a word basis thing. But yeah. the other thing is what I've been, th- I thought about, and I said this in the, the uh, review initially, I was like, what are my thoughts on like a copyrighted smash up? You know, do we now the Transformers smash up, you know, the Goonies smash up? Like, <laughs> because I think, remember, they had a, they did a sm- the smash up uh, cease and desist which is literally copyright things, but they changed it. And I sort of like that one more because I think because it's not the actual copyrights, they almost celebrate the things more because they can or the things that the, they mess up. They're not tied to any, no one's looking over their shoulder telling them how a card needs to look. Right. And that I like that a bit more because of that. And they all, not only a bit more, they can mock them a bit. Like there are certain jokes, you know, about Star Trek about who tends to die that I don't think they'd actually want a Star Trek game. That said, I do feel like comic book heroes work well for Smash Up because, Jonathan, I'm sure you can list all the weird things. I mentioned like a few in the video, like zombie Marvel, 
there's spider monkey <laughs> you know because of all the alternate universes which we know already exist it sort of works for smash up yeah and at I mean, least on a on a theme basis <laughs> yeah obviously even, mechanically you're like right you know certain people work better than others but i don't think that matters in this case just like literally you know just for the the entire premise of smash up is like two things that don't make sense together going together uh mm -hmm. is even though yeah I, it's not like i'm not excited about it it does i get it i get why they want to do licensed stuff because it it you can have well it i also without, get it from a markets yeah no <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's what i mean yeah it's like not i think you can do it without feeling like it's ruining the quote-unquote integrity of the game because it's it's already separate universes it's not like um I, like sentinels of the multiverse and all of a sudden batman's in there or something like it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're introducing an element that doesn't make sense right um uh, yeah. I, I but like i do say i still hope that they stick with parody versions of things because once again i think that actually celebrates i think the series sometimes a little bit better because they as you said don't have someone over their shoulder um but i still think this one works goblins on the other hand though i gotta say loved it every part of it their whole gimmick, Jonathan, is a coin flip. Right, right. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> but what I love when playing it, most of the cards, when you think of coin flip cards, you know, usually it's like, heads, you get something good, tails is bad. Uh -huh. There's like only four cards where that is, and only one of them is really bad. The, the bad thing is usually on the other ones are like, you get nothing. Most of them are heads, draw a card. Tails, get a plus one plus encounter. So it's like, I get something good no matter what we just don't know what's going to go down mm. and it just because and they can be really strong it but it, in the end it just felt like it everyone was always at the table like all right what's the goblin player gonna do now <laughs> and it i just feel like it was such a fun group and in particular it also shows like when marvel when the marvel smash up was i felt like a reiteration of a lot of things we've seen goblins was something completely different and i'm like this this shows they still have there are still weird ideas out there that they can do. So mm -hmm. I thought like the goblins were a, a big hit for me. And I think, and since they're a single pack, you can just buy them, you know, it's much cheaper. So I was really happy with that as well. Uh, and probably what I would suggest over it just because I like the theming better, but the Marvel is still not a bad pickup. I think if you like smash up, if you haven't played smash up, if you like Marvel, very Marvel heavy episode. <laughs> Not intentional. Uh, well, look, <laughs> I, I think Marvel to me is is with Cthulhu and zombies. They're everywhere in our industry now. It's I think it's you'd getting be hard there. pressed not to see one of those three things. If we walk around Board Game Geek <laughs> and you don't see one of those three things, you're not in the convention hall. <laughs> oh right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's too bad they didn't get the DC license because Two Face could have the coin flipping deck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a lot. Uh, you can't just have one guy for a whole deck, but uh, I don't know. I mean, technically, Smash Up All Stars is literally we took a card from each set, so they all have their own weird thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I would I would love it if they got DC. That way, we could actually get Marvel and DC together. I think in a very appropriate fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some somebody's got to do it. If uh, either unmatched or smash up, one of these systems needs to. I wonder. I wonder if sometimes, like they see in the like the other company would be Marvel or DC, just like no, 
it's like it's like how a fast food restaurant either serves Coke or Pepsi products. You can't they have to align with one. Uh, You're either with us or against us. <laughs> I'm very bad at flipping coins, as you know, so I couldn't play. Well, a, a roll a die. Thing. You just say <laughs> like four, five, six is heads. One, two, three is tails. Are there any cards where you do something to an opponent and you make them call the call the, what it's going to be? Uh, Anton no, they Shaker didn't style? have any of that. They didn't <laughs> call do it. any of that. That could have been that could have been pretty funny. Uh, uh, some call cards. Maybe one, if they ever get a Titan. Oh, yeah, there you go. They could do that. All right, so smash up Marvel and Goblins. Look for that video uh, soon, if not already, on our channel. So as we alluded to at the start of the show, I'm at a little bit of a, a little bit of a retreat. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to hear what were the games you decided <laughs> to play. Yeah, with, uh, with a couple of friends. We're staying at a cabin slash Airbnb thing for a week. So... And it's been very rainy lately, so mostly a lot it's of board perfect. games. It's you were able good. to you were able to trick them all. Like you couldn't even go out inside to take a hike or something if you wanted to. You're, yeah. in, you're stuck here with me. Yeah, and the great one of the great things about um, you know being I'm I'm the one with the board games. None of these people are uh, still have their own games. But they didn't really bring any. Is it's all on me. I get to decide <laughs> which of the games <laughs> I want to play the most. And I mean. This is this is the first time I have played board games really with anyone besides you in over a year. I mean, we've had a one or two. It's not the, the same thing. This is like a proper, I mean, quote unquote, game night. Yes. So I brought a lot of games, mostly, um, mostly lighter games, a bunch of party games. Um, even though there's only three of us, you know, I brought. We stuff gotta wean work. ourselves in. Also, Jonathan, remember. Because you had the group, this is the time when you got to do those. We didn't really get to do party games when we were. It's true. It's true. Um, and so I'm not going to talk about every game <laughs> that that we've played. Uh, but maybe I'll just I'll just kind of give you like, I'll start with just the ones that I think have been kind of the biggest successes. Because most of these, if not all of them, were also the first time these guys have played them. And some of them, the first time I played them. Um, probably one of the ones when we've played the most times but this is you know just by necessity is the crew the crew quest for planet nine the trick-taking game which i don't remember if it won the kenner spiel or spiel the crs but it was nominated for something one of those somewhere is it on the cover of your box <laughs> it, it is not it is not so it doesn't but it doesn't even say nominee so i'm not sure if it was an older printing but it's the cooperative trick-taking game a lot of people probably know about it but it's uh you know you're playing tricks but one person wants to People, different people want to win different ones, and you can't talk about what's in your hand. You're working together, but you have to, you can't communicate except for this. You can put out one of your cards and give a little information. There's like a little bit of a move you can make. And there's a bunch of missions as you go that get progressively more complicated and more difficult and add new rules into it. And there's 50 missions. I think we're on mission like 12 or something, 15 maybe, or somewhere in that range. And uh, most of them we've been able to do our first attempt you 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 keep track of how many tries it takes i think they're going to give mm -hmm. you some score overall at the end and part of it is so there's three of us and i think what we've discovered is that um three players maybe is a little easier in fact there are rules in the book that are like if you want to make a three-player game harder so i think they're aware of this too because you don't have as many players you are able to have more knowledge because you have more cards in your hand than you wouldn't otherwise in a game, if that makes sense. So like you don't have to work as hard to try to guess what's in someone's hand because you know there's a 50-50 chance they have it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, that hasn't stopped us from like, you know, sweating and struggling. <laughs> to, of and, of course. It, it's not like it's been a, it hasn't felt like a cakewalk, even though we've been mostly successful, but, uh, but that's been a, a lot of fun. We've really enjoyed like also just uh, the fun of that game is because you can't say anything during the game is after the fact spend agony, spending a long time analyzing the play and talking about, Oh, I did this because of this. And this is why I think that was a good move. Stuff like that um, is fun. So the, the crew has been, that, that's one I'm very happy to finally get the chance to play. We, we just played the tabletop simulator version before. So I'm excited to actually have a group that is into it and we can go through these missions. That's fun. I don't know. I don't think we're going to finish all 50 of them this week, but uh, <laughs> I believe in you. I mean, we'll make, we'll make a dent in it. Um, another, another, I think probably the other biggest, um, maybe the biggest hit um, was a new game that we played that we mentioned. We brought it up a few weeks ago, which is Rosetta from story machine games who just had to close their doors and they had all these games on sale. Rosetta is a game that I the best way for me to describe it is if people are familiar with the movie Arrival, where a bunch of aliens come to Earth and they com- are trying to learn how to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And one player basically, there's an inscription which just looks like random, some kind of alien language. And then there's a card with a lo- with an image on it, like it could be a house, it could be underwater, just various kind of locales. And one person has to come up with a a word or a phrase, or usually it's just one word because it's easier, um, inspired by the picture that this inscription means. So like on a base, like if it was a stick figure on the card, you might say, oh, that means person. They're never going to be that simple ever. <laughs> but <laughs> but you might be like, oh, part of the because ins- there's usually there's always like three or four different parts of it. You could mm-hmm. be like that symbol means person and that symbol means uh, tool or something and the other players are trying to guess the word and the way they do that is they'll they'll write down other words and you as the author define those words by drawing with a dry erase marker a symbol that means what they wrote huh so uh, maybe best case scenario and I think this, like the example from the book is you decide one of the symbols in the thing means wood and they write down tree because there's a tree in the picture. Now it can't be something literally in the picture. That is one of the rules. It has to be something inspired by it, but it still might be helpful. Like that's a starting place. So Mm -hmm. if they wanted to know how you would write tree, you might write the symbol for wood in a, like multiple times in a vertical line, like a, like tree wood in a, you know, um, and gradually as they go, or if you think it's not important, you actually just cross it out and say, that's just not related to the word. So guess something else. And they have 10 guesses to make before they can. And there's also a couple, like along the way, you'll get to give them one or two hints, or they might have an ability they can use, give you them a kind of a clue. It is such an interesting, weird game. It's very hard to describe and explain because it's hard to even when you're playing it, know how to play it. Because mm-hmm. there is so much interpretation involved. Like you literally have to invent your own alphabet every time you sit down and play. And you're not allowed to use like, if they write down money, you can't make like a dollar sign. Like you have to make up your own symbols. And it's it's just really wild. And it has the way it makes your brain work and the, the things that we've gotten 
to guess I'm amazed by. I, I We each just did one round as the author. My first word I, I tried to do, I did shower and um, they didn't get it. <laughs> I think they were guessing like it's like hose or something. We got that close. Mm. But then another player had their, their word was worship. And we somehow guessed that. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I, I, after the fact, I was amazed that we got to worship. I think you're just you're just a, an incredible, <laughs> you know, interpreter. And it really is a shame that, like, you know, I don't know how readily available this game is going to be in the future. I, if you this sounds interesting to you at all, I recommend you track down a copy now because it's really weird and cool. And some groups might like some people might sit down and just have no idea like just not even know where to start and, and not enjoy it. But if you're willing to try this, it's, it works your brain in a way that other games do not. It's very weird and interesting. Uh, so that that's Rosetta. I mean, that's, I, I think you'll definitely get a kick out of it. I mean, once again, this is the continuing of Jonathan making me feel very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Soon, soon we'll rectify it. Don't worry. Soon. soon. Lots of games will be played. We, we will not need to worry about it. Um, let's say, I guess I'll also mention that we played the, um, a game of near and far. Yeah. in the, uh, the sequel to above and below we, we, now this is, uh, can be a, usually it's a campaign game. Uh, we played kind of the, like just the, the teaching game that's not connected to anything because I knew this one was not, we're not gonna be sticking around long enough to play through more of this. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and also I wanted to learn the game. Uh, basically this game is, uh, kind of in two halves. One half is a worker placement. So you can go to town and there's various buildings and the one you pick will give you resources or allow you to get a new item card, things like that. And then there's the adventure portion, which is in a book, which has a map, sort of like Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. And, mm -hmm. but not, not like a tactical battle map, more, just more like a, you're moving around to different locations. I kind of like, I would say picture something like Tales of the Arabian Nights, if anyone, for right. people who have played that. And as you're traveling around that map, you're, you have to spend stamina, which, you know, once you've spent too many of your hearts, which are stamina, you have to go back to town. So it's this thing of going back and forth. And um, various spots on the map will have quests, which involve a storybook. So there's that aspect where you're making choices and skill checks to see what you find. Or you're also putting down like tents that you have. Basically, this is one of those games where there's a hundred things to do and they all give you points. And you're trying to figure out what the best way to maximize that and make it efficient. I did very, very badly. <laughs> I lost the first <laughs> game. Um, and part of the, my biggest problem was there were like three or four times where I just stupidly just realized I should have like done one more thing and didn't do it. And I just fell behind everybody. And I, I was a little frustrated by that. But um, but the game is really interesting. And I think this is one that you will really, really like when we play it. Uh, it's it's not like super narratively complex. Like it's not full on tales of the Arabian nights, but it has enough of the theme and narrative to keep it interesting along with more mm -hmm. like of a Euro game kind of base. And I think the campaign mode obviously is going to bring even more of the narrative stuff into it. So that will be interesting to see how that works, but it's a, it's a cool game. Like, like it's one of those games with a lot of different systems. There's like a lot of things <laughs> that it's going to take you a few tries to figure out like which, which of these resources do I need and when? Cause there's like five different types and 
you can trade this one in for that. You also recruit a part. It's very RPG like. It's very not tabletop, but mm-hmm. uh, JRPG. Like you huh. have a, you have a party, and they have different classes with different skills. It's very simple. Like it's just a little piece with some symbols on it. But you can have four active party members at a time. So if you're going into town, you can swap them out just like you would an RPG, like with your party members in a menu. Uh, there's no combat. It's not. Um, you are competing, but there's not. There is a little thing where you can duel each other if if someone has taken a space that you wanted, but you won't hurt the person you're trying to duel. So there's not. It's not very aggressive, uh, which I, I mean, like. I'm very excited. It sounds pretty awesome i mean i'm just excited to play through every game in that series didn't they just announce a new one um i I can't remember well of course there was uh, there's the documentary that was on kickstarter where they talk about the making of in the next next in that universe but i don't know if it's the same system or if it's just the same universe um but yeah it's cool. It's cool. So near and far, excited to try that. Um, and like, like I'm not going to talk about. I'll just I'll name. It. We've been playing a bunch of party games. Um, we did some wavelength. We did some concept. We did um, you know dark stories. Blinks. We played around with the blinks toys. <laughs> I tried Monstrosity for the first time. Another Ooh. one I know you'll really like. Yeah, I mean, God, I'm so excited. Give me game nights. I need my game nights. <laughs> yes. But uh, I will say, I actually totally forgot. And I just want to mention it, mostly because I haven't finished yet. But I did start uh, Cantaloupe. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah because uh, Jonathan has lent me his copy. He's very nice about that. So I've been very excited. And it's really interesting, too, to realize, because I forgot while playing, I just got into it, that it's a series. Right. Or going yeah. to be. It's part one. So I'm like, oh, my God. Where is oh, like, I feel like I'm going all these places and I feel like I'm not even close to where I think the end game's going to go. I'm like, all oh, right, there's more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, I, I will say as of now, I have gotten one achievement. If you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know if you want to spoil and guess which one I got. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, those are that's a fun thing for players to find if they play that. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Yes, that game. I I love the sense of humor in that game. It is uh, yeah, well, funny. it is so like not even just the, the play style, which it's obviously trying to mimic, but even the humor of it is so old school point and click. Mm hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, yes, check out check out Cantaloupe, uh, book one. I mean, that's a. I, I, I early on and still, I think that's that's probably going to find its way into my top ten at the end of the year if I had to uh, guess. I wouldn't disagree with. I I don't want to say anything yet now because I haven't finished it, <laughs> but um, it, it has been definitely a fun ride. I'm also a sucker. I mean, it could be because the Transformer fan of me. Anytime I have to use a red thing to, <laughs> to code things, yeah freaking love that <laughs> that's fun that's just a fun little toy um I'll also, I'll, I'll also say one um kind of a well a little bit of a failure that we played was um a game we both really like calico uh the uh what, what happened quilt making well what happened is unfortunately it was uh there were some uh miscommunication slash misunderstanding of exactly how the scoring works for the gold tiles in that game uh, so there were some, uh, misplays of like how exactly, because the way it works is for people who don't know, you can surround your tile with different colors and patterns and they'll want you to satisfy different rules. 
and there was some confusion amongst players that I didn't realize until it was too late of oh my, no, whether I, the no. colors should can count as both or how you count them exactly and stuff like that. Uh, so that was unfortunate because I mean I st- I still enjoyed my time <laughs> because I was because that uh, game is mostly God. solitaire and I was playing it the right way. <laughs> I really hate it and feel so miserable when I'm like I forgot to mention like or like I don't say one rule really clearly. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like you're playing and someone's like, "Wait, you can trade?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> right. It's oh, hard because because no. I like I understood it, so it was very hard for me to. I was like, yeah, that's yeah what, I said it right. That's why I always want to find it. Honestly, like I want a video or something instead. So I'm like the onus isn't on me. <laughs> yeah, I try. I used examples from the book, but it didn't take. Um, yeah, that's always the thing. By the way, I forgot to. I guess I, could, I should explain it here too. Sort of uh, connect up. But I did do the Smash of Digital. I don't know if you saw the stream, Jonathan. No, no. Uh, first of all, you can. It's really weird. It has geeks, and you can buy. The pretty smash up in the level 900. But you have those available for your NPCs without buying. Hmm. Uh, second, it crashes a lot, <laughs> which is a little disappointing. Like I think when we, we did the Call of Cthulhu stuff, I get it. They're old. I'm not playing on what they thought those systems would be, those games would be played on. Mm-hmm. Smash up digital, I thought things would be fixed by now. Like everything else is pretty proper with it. Yeah, I think we reviewed that. Um, we did a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't remember. You which can tell because these are real old uh, thumbnails. Oh, <laughs> thumbnails date our videos, right? <laughs> um, and also, there are a couple times uh, at the very end. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I played a card and it just decided I didn't want to do. Like, I played a, a zombie card to bring something back. It's like, nope. what (laughs) Hmm, yeah yeah that's a game with a lot of little interactions that i think might yeah it could be i could see being very tricky and i think that's why they're i would say maybe behind in adding things Mm -hmm. uh so overall not i i don't know what i said in that review i don't even remember anymore (laughs) but i can just say from you can watch the stream it was a little frustrating yeah yeah like it compared to some other stuff well, that's all yeah. we've been playing, I think. Well, I, or at least as much as I'm willing to devote time to right now on air. That's right. Worth going Same into. here. Uh, but I'm, we'll have more next week. Don't you worry. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of table talk that we have. Now, I guess we're going to try to wrap up the show with a brand new segment that could be considered a board game game. <laughs> and I suppose that we're going to be calling it. We've decided on table tips. Mm-hmm. Table tips. Uh, where we're going to give kind of uh, our ideas, advice, suggestions as to various aspects of gaming, not directly related to which games you should play exactly. Yes, this is more of a general tip segment, I think, for like things that your game nights are dealing with, maybe certain personalities, whatever, whenever it comes up. And I thought I brought this up. Before we started, because I thought this would be a good one since Jonathan right now is experiencing a return to a game night. So, Jonathan, I thought with what you're experiencing now, what are some tips you can give to people for their first game night get together back in person? Yeah, like first time regathering. And I suppose also I could kind of tie it into you know, if you're doing any like a gaming retreat, so to speak, (laughs) if you're going to be trapped in a building with people for a long time. And definitely, I mean, 
I think we'll talk about things other than games, but the biggest, obviously that's one of the biggest concerns is choosing the right games mm-hmm. and not knowing your audience and not wanting to overwhelm people. And this is, could be applied to most uh, gaming sessions, but you know, you, you have to curb your, uh, your, your hunger to say, I must play Twilight Imperium. <laughs> right, because, well, not even that. Think of all the games you might have picked up. Like, I picked up both Barrage and Brass, both very heavy Euro games. Which, by the way, I want to make a correction. I thought, I, I, apparently I was wrong, and I'm really embarrassed by this. Barrage has a single-player mode. Hmm. And now I feel bad for not trying it out while we were all locked away. But, you know, these are not, I don't. I, I would not say these are light games. <laughs> Yes, right. No. And if you like even ignoring, I think the kind of people who come to your table, my guess is like, all right, we're going to drop and start you all learning a new game that has 500 different like components and resources. Yeah. um, Near and far was by far the most complicated thing we've played thus far. And I did not break that out until like day four of the trip. You know, we, we worked our way up. And also another thing is good to make sure it's daylight hours or at least rel- early evening, you know, well, which is if you're, if you're listening to this <laughs> while we put this out, it, you do have the advantage, at least where we are, the sun doesn't set till like eight. Yes, that's yes. Yes. But you know, don't start it too late. Cause you know, people ease people into things. Another advantage of, uh, smaller games that I've found too that I, I think just generally goes along with the idea of helping people kind of reacclimate to gaming mm-hmm. is a, mo- a lot of these games because they're so quick you play around and then you go okay let's just do it again or switch roles or something like that right like uh, some of these small games I know a big one we love that does that is Hanabi yeah yeah definitely and, and, and it allows you to you know again and very similar to something like the crew even where the first time you play like people are not really going to get it but because it's so quick then you just go okay now i see how it works let's do it again and you don't have to feel bad that uh you know like i did in near and far that i spent two hours <laughs> not knowing what to do and losing uh that that's definitely a plus now i'm wondering if this is an issue for you because yes, you're you're with friends, and I feel like right now discussing probably more with people you know, not going to a game store just yet, since those kinds of rules are a little different. But sometimes playing those lighter games too, even though you might have been chatting online and keeping up that way, like it, you're almost trying to get that those social connections built up again, like those yeah. in person, like yeah. oh, did you do that? That's great, you know, hearing it straight from them instead of just reading text on a screen. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think, I think this is true for a lot of uh, people who are board gamers, certainly for me that board games often serve as a great social crutch as a um, way to, uh, you know, you don't have to come up with a topic of conversation because there's a central thing that everybody's focused on. With, with, well-defined rules yes and there's no like you don't have to worry about an awkward silence because you can always you know there's a thing you can always reference and ask a question about or talk about and again i think there is definitely a lot of people will be experiencing not just needing to reacclimate to rules but reacclimate to socialization (laughs) yeah i will say i've been seeing some things online about that and i just every time i read i'm like you your guys are acting like me in my prime 
don't don't say <laughs> everybody is is feeling it now yeah um but yeah and i think maybe that's it was not really it wasn't intentional but a lot of the games we've been playing are these games that are about communication or lack thereof and that's actually pretty interesting of how do you convey ideas to each other uh you know that's in a lot of co-op games, that's definitely a big thing. So co- co-op is probably a good idea, too. This one, as you said, I don't think is something that you came across because you're almost expected to be the, the board game guy. But let's say that you had multiple people, each with their reasonable size collection. How would you deal with everyone wanting to, like, each person bringing, like, their own five games? I'm like I want to play this, and I want to. I have brought this to play and stuff. Yeah, I think you got to give everybody their. What's your top two? And like, we you got to give you got to give everybody a chance because everyone is has been stuck right. inside and wants to play their games. <laughs> and of course, obviously, I mean, just like we said before, you got to make sure everyone understands too. Like, so if I come to the table like and went, okay, my top. My top games are Arkham Horror Second Edition and Barrage. You're gonna be like, all right, you chose two huge games. Choose an appetizer first, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good way to go. Yeah, I think that's those those were pretty good, you know. And then, and then the rest of it, I think, is mostly just your usual your boilerplate. Right. Snacks, we're trying to focus. Drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, these could be, uh, you know, evergreen, but we really wanted to focus on the first night back yeah and you know what might be another good thing you said with them communicating this is also a great time for cooperative games for you to get that there isn't i'm beating you kind of thing you know maybe this is not the time to get out those cutthroat games or at least especially the longer ones you know like uh i I wouldn't say avalon or resistance because you know those are much shorter yeah i would say co-op or i think team-based is still good Mm -hmm. Because that still feels like, you know, you're winning or losing together. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good one. So, uh, yeah. Any other, any other final thoughts? I think, that's, I think that's all the table tips I got. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think the big one is also make sure everyone's on the same page about vaccinations and masks. That's right. always something you're going to have to make sure you <laughs> yeah. know. Uh, because sure. you have the option for that. I think in a store you can't do that. I think it's very hard. That's really up to just people who run the store and they'll have a sign out. Which, yeah, it's a little weird because last week was all crazy with me and I had to do this long drive. Some stores had signs that said, if you're vaccinated, don't wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask, which, of course, people didn't wear masks. Some said, please still wear a mask. So it was very confusing (laughs) being like, what's going to happen when I walk up to this Taco Bell because I had to make a stop or something? Yeah, I've been experiencing that too over here of like – Yes, you never you never quite know, especially in different states and different areas. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on around so here? So make sure everyone in the. I guess that's for the games and everything. Everyone is on the same zero. Have your rule zero discussion <laughs> on how you're going to handle your game night. Yeah, you know I don't think this was a critical miss at all. This was a great episode. Oh yeah, no no no. The critical miss was more of just that it's a double. That's where the critical miss is. Right, right. As opposed to a triple. You know, we're trying to punch card everything. We want to try to get one of each number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah. Well, we're not doing it in our first 20, I guess. So that went out the window. Uh, That's okay. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode regardless. Uh, Listen, if you want more Roll for Crit, I'm going to let you know where to get it. 
You can find links to our YouTube channel, weekly live streams, merch, and other stuff at our website, rollforcrit.com. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. You can join our Discord server and get an extra bonus audio expansion episode of us talking about games every single week at patreon.com slash rollforcrit. Uh, or you could support us by just uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes, subscribe uh, on uh, on YouTube. All that stuff helps us out. And if you want to, if you have a submission, either a question that you want to ask us uh, in general, or maybe you have something you'd like to hear us give some table tips on, you can email us using the meeplegallery at gmail.com address. And, uh, you know, I apologize for uh, the state of my voice. It's not because I'm sick. I just think i haven't been sleeping enough out here (laughs) you're having too much time playing games yeah drinking a little too much maybe (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's another thing uh, that makes it hard to play heavier games but that'll be uh for our next table tips (laughs) yeah which games to play when you're blackout (laughs) drunk um but other than that uh it's always good to check in and uh next week things will be more back to normal at least in my life i don't know about the rest of the world (laughs) or anyone else's lives it will always be chaotic that is the nature of life Yeah, it sure is. Jeff Goldblum would know this. So um, thanks for listening. That's been the show. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit.